We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. This, this series will wind us down through the end of Colossians, and I'm really excited about this series because uh, as Paul closes this letter out in the Colossian letter, he goes through a list of names. Now, how many of you, when you read the Bible, when you get to the section where all the names are, you're just like, ah, anybody like that? Okay, Mike's honest, the rest of you are liars. Okay, so, I mean, when we hit the section of names, it's just kind of like, oh, let's just get through that because there's nothing, there can't be anything in there, right? There's just nothing significant in there. Well, I actually think there's some tremendous truth in this portion of Scripture, and I've never heard a lot of preaching on this myself, like personally. And so, you know, as I'm studying this and I'm, I'm trying to just see what the Lord would have for us, uh, I'm reminded that names are really important in the Bible, and, and names are important to you, right? I mean, when somebody gets your name wrong, doesn't it feel like weird, like... Hey, Jay Shrug, Jay Shrug, you know, I, for years, my last name has been butchered uh, so many different ways. There's at, letters added, letters taken away. I've got a very unique last name, unique to me, you know, S-C-H-U-G. Nobody says it right. And so names are important to us personally, and, and, and names are important to, to other people. And in other words, it means something when you call them by name. And in our Christian culture, it's easy to call people brother or sister. You know what I'm saying? We, we use the Christian titles as we talk to each other. And there's nothing wrong with that because we are in the family of God. But there's just something about your name. Hey, man, good morning, Corey. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. I mean, there's just something about hearing your name that's personal. It, it's important. So in God's Word, it, it is very interesting to me, for instance, all the way back in 2 Samuel 23, God lists a list of men's names. These are David's mighty men. And there's actually, or excuse me, there's actually 37 names mentioned in all. And, and God just has a little bit of information about each of those men that were, that were part of David's posse back in the day. I mean, they were his, his, his guys that he could count on. They were warriors for David. When we get into the New Testament, like in Matthew chapter 10... We see that Jesus Christ had 12 apostles. He had a bunch of, of disciples, but out of those disciples, there were 12 apostles that were listed by name, right? And those were the guys that really were the closest to Christ uh, and that spent the most time with him in training. And then in Colossians 4, we have a list of names that are, that are Paul's co-laborers. They're, they're Paul's ministry partners, and again, we could really easily just read through this text and say, okay, that's a bunch of guys that kind of did what Paul did and really miss some important principles. And, and so uh, I'm going to read the text in just a second, but let me just make a note. It's, this is not in your notes. I don't think it's in your notes, but maybe you want to write it down on the white space. Ministry runs on the rails of relationships. Ministry runs on the rails of relationships. Relationships in ministry are so important. And, and I think God has created us to value relationships and, and again, to, to pass over this portion of Scripture without really studying it, we would miss some rich truths that God has for us. And so in your Bible, Colossians chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 7. We're going to read all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 18, and then this morning we'll just focus on a few verses. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 7. The Bible says, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, there's some names in here that are really tough to pronounce, and so give me grace, okay? 
Uh, and if you got it better, I'll let you come up and read the passage, all right? Because it, it, it's really funny. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I sent to you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. And here's another guy, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandment. If he come to you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, which is one of you, in other words, he's a Colossian, uh, a servant of Christ saluteth you, laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear record that you have a great zeal for you and for them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Again, man, it's just weird. Paul just goes on record with all these names. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus uh, and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause it that it be read in the church of the Laodiceans, and you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds, grace be with you, amen. I read all that to just show you that there are ten names. There are ten names mentioned in this last portion of Scripture. And again, every name is important in the Bible. Your name is important. If Paul was writing something about you, you would have been like, man, hey, Paul mentioned me in one of his epistles, right? I mean, it's a big deal. And so, and so as we begin this series on joining the team, we're going to take the next few weeks and we're going to look at these men that were part of Paul's ministry team. We're going to see these men whom God used mightily in, in conjunction and connection with the Apostle Paul for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. And, uh, and I, I got another point, and I think this one is maybe in your notes. Maybe it's not in your notes. I don't know. Here's what I, here's what I want to mention. Each of these men have a reputation as it relates to ministry. Each of these men have a reputation as it relates to ministry. And here's, again, a key principle. It's probably not in your notes, but just listen. You have a reputation, too, in ministry. And it already precedes you. It already precedes you. Your reputation as it relates to the ministry of Christ already precedes you. And you may be sitting here saying, whoa, I didn't know I had a reputation. Well, you do if you're a born-again believer. Proverbs 20 and verse 6 says this, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find... And what's interesting is that as Paul closes this epistle of Colossians, Paul is bearing witness of these men's reputation. In other words, it's easy for us to say our own goodness, how good we are. How, you know, if you talk to somebody, it takes about 30 seconds and they tell you how good they are at whatever they do, whether it's their job or their hobby or, or you know, what they're skilled in, right? I mean, we, we have no problem proclaiming our own goodness. But it is interesting that Paul is the one, and really the Holy Spirit of God is the one that's testifying of these men and their faithfulness and their giftedness. And, and even Jesus Christ, if you remember the story in Matthew chapter 16, when Christ was on this earth, Jesus asked the disciples this question, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? In other words, Jesus had a reputation. 
And he just asked, hey, what do other people, who, who do they say I am? And, and the disciples answered and they said, well, you know, some people say you're John the Baptist. Remember, John was beheaded, but they thought maybe John had been risen from the dead. Uh, some people say that you're Elias, that you're Elijah the prophet. Uh, so there, there's this rumor that, you know, who is this prophet that is Jesus? Everybody has their own opinion. His reputation preceded him. Some people say you're Jeremiah. Some people say you're one of the prophets. And then verse 15, he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, right? And so, and so again, everybody has a reputation that precedes them. Not always is it an accurate representation of who you are. However, I mean, Peter was able to testify, hey, Christ, this is who you are. Paul is able to testify of these men, this is who they are in the Lord. And so we're going to learn a lot about our, our team as a church family. We're going to learn about the ministry team that God wants us to be a part of at this church. And so I want to pray. And this morning, we're going to study one guy named Tychicus. And, and we're going to, there's so much. I wish we had two hours. We don't have two hours because you didn't pack a lunch. So we're going to pray. We're going to study Tychicus, and then, we'll, and then we'll dismiss. So join me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the morning. I really do thank you for the, the opportunity we have to gather. I thank you for our church family. I thank you for those that are, that are serving in the back with our children. Uh, Lord, I thank you for those that are, that are streaming online. I thank you for those that are traveling this weekend. I pray they have a great time uh, with their family uh, and visiting loved ones. And uh, Lord, just bless us today, God, as we study. We need your grace in our life. And uh, Lord, we need your word to change our life. And so help us to be more like Christ because of what we see in here today. We love you and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so here's what I did this week. I, I studied this guy the last two weeks, really, this guy named Tychicus extensively through the Bible. I don't have time to give you everything about him in the Bible, but I will tell you this. Tychicus is a unique man in Scripture. Scripture is not silent concerning his testimony. One of the things that we know about him is he was from the area of Asia, so in Acts chapter 20 and verse 4, it says, There accompanied him into Asia, Sopater of Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Secundus, and Gaius of Derbe, and Timotheus, and of Asia, here it is, Tychicus, and Trophimus. So, so this guy would have been one to Christ during one of Paul's missionary journeys, and now he's actually joined himself with Paul. He's, he's traveling with Paul. He's a part of Paul's ministry team. As we study scripture again, we see that not only is he from Asia, we see that he's been qualified to do ministry with Paul. And when you get to the book of Titus, it says this, Titus, Titus was commissioned by Paul to go to this place called Crete, and, and, and the ministry was in disorder. And Paul sent Titus to Crete to set things in order. How many of you like order? in your life, in your schedule, and, and in most things, like in your home? Do you like order? How many of you like disorder? Okay, now some of you would think, looking in my garage, okay, Jay, you really like disorder. Okay, let's don't talk about that. But generally speaking, we all like order. Paul sent Tim, or excuse me, Titus to Crete because the entire ministry was in disorder. It was in disarray. And so he sent Titus there to put things in order, and as he's writing this epistle to Titus, he says, hey, I'm going to send a guy to help you, and actually I'm going to have you come to me 
So we're going we're gonna to play swip, switch swap in the ministry. He says in Titus 3 and verse 12, When I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come to me to Nicopolis. Okay, so, so in other words, Paul is writing to Titus and he says, I want you to come to me, but we can't leave the ministry unattended. So I'm going to send one of two guys. I'm either going to send Artemis or Tychicus. You say, why is that important? Well, I think it's important because Paul discipled men that were able to do ministry on his behalf. Paul discipled men, and at the end of the day, it didn't matter who he sent. If I send Artemis, if I send Tychicus, guess what? Both will be equally qualified to do the ministry. Does that make sense? And, and so listen, that, that's kind of the way we look at ministry. If you get discipled, if you get trained, you ought to be qualified to do ministry at this church or anywhere else in the world that God may take you. Does that make sense? I mean, listen, that, that's, what, that's who this guy is. He was on the short list of Paul to be able to be sent to Crete so that Titus could leave. I mean, that's a pretty big responsibility because Titus was there to put things in order. And, and, and man, maybe this is flying over your head, but I hope it's not because, listen, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who pastors this church as long as they're biblically qualified. It doesn't matter who leads a ministry in the back as long as they're biblically qualified. The, the ministry doesn't depend on the person. It depends on the qualification. And, and Tychicus and Artemis and Titus and Paul we're all capable ministers, and, and it tells me also that we need to disciple people the same way. And if I preach, if Cody preaches, if anybody else preaches, listen, we're just called and qualified. It doesn't matter. The person doesn't matter. And, and it is interesting to me that he said, I'm going to send one of these people or the other person. Paul didn't even at that point know who he was going to send. Did it matter? I don't think it mattered because they're both qualified. And then thirdly, we see in Tychicus' life that he was trusted so many times to be sent by the Apostle Paul, okay? Uh, and we see this, in, for instance, in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, it says in Ephesians 6, verse 21, uh, But that you, you may know my affairs, how I do. I'm going to send Tychicus, a beloved brother, a faithful minister in the Lord. He shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs, and that he might comfort your hearts. And again, in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 12, it says, Antichicus have I sent to Ephesus. I mean, here's a guy that Paul could just send. And, and it's interesting when you study his life, again, he could just be trusted with, with any mission. Hey, man, here's what I need you to do. And, and he could trust that Tychicus would accomplish what he was sent to do. He actually is the guy that took this epistle of Colossians from Rome to the Colossian church. He did the same thing with the Ephesian letter, him and Onesimus. These two men took the, the letter that Paul had written, which we understand to be Scripture, and he was, he was able to be entrusted with Scripture to get it to the desired recipient. What a faithful dude. What a faithful dude we got to have people on our team like Tychicus. And so this morning, we're going to look at verses 7 uh, and 8 in Colossians chapter 4. And I promise we'll get going into the, the message uh, here in just a second. Let me read 7 and 8 again. Colossians 4 and verse 7. And my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother, a faithful minister, 
and a fellow servant in the Lord. Three things that we're going to talk about from his life today. Number one, Tychicus is a beloved brother. He is a beloved brother. And, and listen, that word in the Bible is a very important word, as every other word in the Bible is important. Again, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 21, he is called a beloved brother. Paul used this term beloved to describe the intimate relationship that he had with other believers in Christ. And so in your notes, you have a definition, right? That the word beloved literally means esteemed. It means highly favored. It means someone who is dear unto you. Okay? And, and, and listen, that's an, a term of endearment that even God the Father used. I mean, when God the Father spoke about his son, Jesus Christ, in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17, the Bible says that there was a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God loves his son. So much so that he calls him beloved. He's highly esteemed. He's favored. He's dear unto the Father. And so God the Father uses that terminology. The Apostle Paul uses that terminology because it, in, it describes for us the endearment and the intimacy that Christians are supposed to have with each other. Not just our relationship with God because we are beloved, but listen, we are called to have a, a, a loving relationship with each other. If, if you are born again today, if you're saved, you're part of the family of God. And we're to view each other as beloved brethren. If you study that word beloved through the Bible, you're gonna, one of the places you're going to land is the, the book of Song of Solomon. And that, that word beloved is used in 28 verses in the book of Song of Solomon. And the reason that's important is because the, the, the book of Song of Solomon it's a love story. And it's a love story between Solomon and, and the love of his life. And, and this woman and this, this, this king of Israel have a wonderful, beautiful, intimate relationship. And it's a song and it spells out their intimacy and their desire for each other. And the word beloved is used in 28 verses. You say, why does that matter? Because the song of Solomon is a picture of Jesus Christ and his relationship with his church the bride of Christ. And more than any other book of the Bible, the word beloved is used in the Song of Solomon, 28 verses. Again, it shows us that's the type of relationship that we're to have with each other and with our Lord and Savior. And so in your notes, write this key down. Listen, in our relationships, Bible needs to be thicker than blood. Bible needs to be thicker than blood. And what I mean by that is we all value our human relationships as we should. But God says there's just something special about a spiritual relationship that we have with other believers in Christ. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 12 and verses 47 to 50, when, when, when some, some of the, the homies were telling Jesus, hey, hey, your mother and your brethren, they need to see you. They want to they wanna, they wanna talk to you about something in verse 47. Jesus answered and said unto him that told him, who is my mother? And who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his, his disciples, and he said, Behold, my mother and my, my brethren. And, and what he just did in Matthew chapter 12 is said, Okay, yeah, I understand I have physical 
half-brothers and sisters, right? Mary had more children. We understand that from the scriptures. So he had legitimate physical family. But Jesus just stretches forth his hand toward his disciples and says, My mother and my brethren are these people. Whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. The point is, Jesus understood that spiritual relationships supersede physical relationships. They, they supersede them. Uh, they're beloved because we are all in the family of God. Listen, in Jesus' earthly ministry, his brothers didn't believe that he was the Son of God. They didn't believe he was God in the flesh. In John chapter 7, I mean, the Bible very clearly says, neither did his brethren believe in him. They didn't even believe who he, he was who he said he was until after the resurrection they believed. Here's my point. We are called into a wonderful family. We are called into wonderful relationships with our, our Heavenly Father, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and with a body of believers. Paul viewed relationships as critically important and valuable in his life. So much so that when you read through the New Testament, over and over and over, he uses the term beloved concerning the people that he knew. Onesimus in Colossians chapter 4 was called a faithful and beloved brother. Philemon was called our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. The believers at Rome, all the Christians in Rome, were called dearly beloved by the Apostle Paul. That guy on the screen, Romans chapter 16 and verse, 15, verse, verse 5, my well-beloved, a, a pen, that guy, okay, Listen, I can't say his name, but he was well-beloved. You understand? I mean, listen, Paul, Paul could probably say his name. Uh, the next guy, Am Amplius, Romans 16 and verse 8. Greek Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Uh, Stachys, Romans 16 and verse 9. At very end of the verse, Stachys, my beloved. Persis, Romans 16 and verse 12. Salute the beloved Persis. The believers at Corinth, he says to them, look, you are my beloved sons. You're highly favored you're desirable, man. You're, you're dear unto my heart. Timothy, of course, man. Paul calls him the same thing God the Father called his own son. He's my beloved son. The believers at Philippi, he says, man, listen, you are my beloved. Luke was called the beloved physician. And the believers at Thessalonica are called brethren beloved. Listen, in Christ, here's your blank. We are part of the family of faith. We're part of the family of faith. You know, Ephesians 3 tells us that, that, that man, listen, we are, are part of the whole family in heaven and earth that's named under the name of God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the family that we're a part of. I know you have a physical family that you're going to spend time with this weekend over the, over the holiday. I get that. But listen, if you're born again, you're part of a beloved family. And you are beloved in the brethren. And so what makes a family function properly is love for one another. It's love for one another. John 13 and verse 35, the Bible says, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, because you can rattle off 10,000 verses of Scripture. Is that what it said? That's not what it said. Uh, by this shall all men know that my, you're my disciples. If you go through the discipleship process at Community Fellowship Baptist Church, you finish D1, 
You finish ministry tools and training. You finish LFBI. You finish all the things. Listen, then people will know that you're my disciples. That's not what it says. It says men are going to know that you are truly my disciples if you have love one to another. And so listen, if you're here today, and if you're watching online, and you're born again, you're, you're saved, listen, you're part of, of the family of faith. And what that means is you really are beloved. You're beloved. You're esteemed. You're highly favored. You're desirable. Listen, the, mer- the world may not want you. You may not feel that way, but I'm telling you, in the body of Christ, you are valuable. You're valuable. You're beloved, you're esteemed, you're highly favored. Paul viewed relationships as valuable, and we must view them as valuable as well. So listen, you have to come to the place where you ask yourself, do you value other people in your church family like that? Do you look around the room, don't look around the room right now, but do you, do you look around the room and say, man, that brother's beloved. Like he's desirable, he's highly favored in my eyes. Like, this church wouldn't be the same without him. This church wouldn't be the same without her. They are valuable, and and their value is not based on what they do or don't do. It's based on who they are in Christ. It's based on who they are in Christ. And so, listen, Tychicus is a beloved brother. And that's where we all start, right? We, We get saved. We're into this family of God now. And God puts your value really high in the body of Christ. He puts your value really high, and the body of Christ has to put your value really high, too. Paul understood that. We need to understand that. Tychicus was a beloved brother. Number two, he was a faithful minister. He was a faithful minister. And and again, this is the second thing that Paul says about Tychicus. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 21, he says the same thing. Again, when God repeats himself, I I think Colin or somebody said this, probably stole it from somebody. When God repeats it, 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 God's turning up the volume knob, right? He wants you to hear what he's saying. Did you steal that or is that your original thought? Yeah, I figured you stole it, man. Flattery is the best form of imitation or or, or, or imitation is the best form of flattery, excuse me. And so if you repeat something else, then uh, hey, man, you're just flattering the person that said it. Yeah, when God repeats himself, he turns up the volume knob. He says this twice about Tychicus. He's a faithful minister in the Lord. So not only is he a beloved brother, but now God steps it up a notch. He's also a faithful minister. Now listen, we're all beloved brethren and sisters. If you're born again, you're in Christ. You are beloved no matter what you do, who you are, what skill set God has given you. You are beloved. You're valued. But then God says, this guy is a faithful minister. Okay, so he has more responsibility. So in your notes, listen, ministry requires faithfulness. Ministry requires faithfulness. And Paul said of this guy, yeah, that guy Tychicus, man, he's a faithful minister. He's faithful. He's full of faith. He, he, he can be entrusted. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. Okay, so, so look, in that verse, a steward is just a manager or an administrator. In other words, a steward is somebody who's been entrusted with something, with responsibilities and resources that aren't theirs. Okay, And in the context of 1 Corinthians 4 and Colossians 4, 
Tychicus is a faithful minister. He's been entrusted with God's word. And what he did with God's word was he was faithful with it as a minister. He, he was able to steward God's word faithfully to other people. 1 Corinthians 4 talks about us being stewards of the mysteries of God. In your notes, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here, there are seven mysteries that are in your notes. Is that right? Do you have seven mysteries in your notes? There are seven mysteries that God says we are called to steward. The fact that God was manifest in the flesh through Jesus Christ. That's a mystery in the Bible. In your notes, what's a mystery? Well, it's something that God hid in the past, but now it's revealed. It's revealed. It can be understood. And these seven mysteries represent seven key doctrines, seven powerful truths that we're called to steward. If you're going to be a good minister, uh, some, of you, some of you really feel like God's moving you in the direction of ministry, like vocationally full-time. One of the keys I can tell you is if you want to be a good minister, a faithful minister, you need to steward these mysteries. You need to know these mysteries and teach these mysteries and stand upon these mysteries. Okay, so Tychicus was a faithful minister. He was faithful with God's word. What he learned, he taught to others. He stewarded God's word to build up other people. Okay, and, and, and so I got a lot of stuff in here, but we got to hurry. You know, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6 says that a good minister teaches God's word. You know, there's a whole lot of talking from a whole lot of pulpits these days. There's no shortage of people on Sunday morning gathering for a religious gathering and even opening a Bible and quoting some verses and spending about 30 or 40 minutes talking. But God says if you want to be a good minister, you have to steward God's Word faithfully. So when we come to church, we don't need to hear what Jay says. We don't, we don't need to hear stories about Jay. We don't need to hear how his week went. We need to hear God's Word so that we can be changed. Paul said the same thing to Timothy, who was also a young pastor. He said, look, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, and that these things are the things found in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, if you, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. So, so if we can have faithful ministers like Tychicus, that means we can also have unfaithful ministers. If we can have good ministers, 1 Timothy chapter 4, we can also have bad ministers. The key is, what do we do with God's Word? Do we teach God's Word faithfully? Do we present God's Word in a way that the body of Christ can receive it? Listen, there is no shortage of preaching and teaching from, from pulpits all over this country and all over the world on a Sunday morning, but I'm telling you, what makes a good minister is how you steward that book. That's what makes the difference. That's what makes the difference. It doesn't matter how captivating a speaker, and listen, I know, man, listen to me. It's like listening to a car running at 70 miles an hour with mud tires on it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, I get it. Man, I know. But, but I'm telling you, at the end of the day, we're going to study God's Word because that's the only thing that matters. And, and we are in a day and age, listen, man, where, where it's easy to be an unfaithful minister of God's Word and still get by. Because there are, pe there are people that don't want to hear God's word, but still want to come to church. 
Can I show you an Old Testament example? Isaiah 30, I was reading this this week. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 8 to 11. And this is a, a prophecy concerning Israel and, and, the, and Jerusalem. And so, and so God is speaking to Isaiah, and he says, Now go right before them in a table and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come, forever and ever. This is a rebellious people. <laughs> lying children. He's talking about the, the nation of Israel in Jerusalem. They're rebellious. They're lying children. Children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers... Hey, see not. And to the prophets, hey, prophesy not unto us right things. I mean, can you imagine? The children of Israel, the nation of Israel, they don't want to hear God's word. They don't want to hear the prophets speak right things. They say, speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Hey, get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. We still want you to preach and to teach. we just like you to tone down the Word of God a little bit and give us what we want to hear. Now listen, if that happened in the Old Testament, I guarantee you it happened in the New Testament, right? We get the New Testament application out of 2 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul writes to Timothy and he says, preach the Word, listen, Preach the what? Not your opinion, not your political affiliation, not your social injustice stances. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And listen, all of that doesn't sound like smooth teaching. Some of that's rough when you get rebuked. Some of that hurts a little bit, right? And he says, you need to do that because the time is going to come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. And I just want to warn you, church, listen, it's imperative that we be good ministers of God's word. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. And Tychicus for us is an example, not only of a beloved brother, Every one of us are valuable in, in Christ, in the body of Christ. But this dude was a good steward of God's word. He didn't apologize for it. When he, when he was taught something, he reproduced that in the lives of other people. He was able to go to Crete and invest God's word there. He was able to go to Colossae and invest God's word there. He was able to go to Ephesus and invest God's word there. He's just a faithful minister. And so we need to be faithful ministers, Right? We need to learn God's word for ourselves so we can walk in obedience to that by faith. But then we need to teach other people. We need to disciple other people. Listen, we need to put other people in remembrance. We need to go home and tell our families what God's word says. We need to teach our family what God's word says. And, and listen, we have wonderful children's ministers at this church, man. We got wonderful people in the back right now teaching children's church. We got a brand new junior church starting today. I'm really excited about that. But listen, man, let's, let's take that and build upon that foundation even in our homes. Let's be good ministers of the Word of God. Let's be faithful ministers. Could God say that about us? Could God say, man, you're faithful. You're a faithful minister of what, what you've been given. And I, I don't want to encourage you. I don't want to beat you up today. I, I really want to encourage you. You can be. You can be faithful. Live what you know and teach others what you know.
That's how you're faithful. And then lastly, let's, let's wrap this thing up. Lastly, number three, what God says about Tychicus is he's a beloved brother, he's a faithful minister, and then lastly, he's a fellow servant in the Lord. And do you see how all three of those just kind of progress? Brother, minister, fellow servant. And, and I think it's really cool how God's Word just kind of paints that picture out of his life. A servant in the Bible uh, is someone who's under a Lord. For example, the Apostle Paul considered himself a servant of Jesus Christ. We see that in Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ, of Jesus Christ. Paul positioned himself as a servant to Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 and verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. And if, if we had the time, we could go to James chapter 1. James called himself a servant of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter 1 and verse 1, Peter called himself a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. So here's the key in your notes. Look, a servant or a fellow servant was anyone that was serving the same Lord. It was anyone that was serving the same Lord. And, and I just want to... I feel like it's hard preaching today for some reason. I don't know why. I just want to help you understand. Paul, James, Peter, they didn't think anything of themselves other than the fact that they were just servants. Do you understand? Like, like they didn't exalt themselves. Paul could have. Peter could have. I mean, he was on the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord, you know. Uh, James could have. But, but those guys just looked at themselves as just servants, and listen, you know, God records a whole lot more about Paul's ministry than God's Word records about Tychicus's ministry. But do you know what, what Paul says about Tychicus? He's a fellow servant. Like, like his value and, and what he's done doesn't matter. What matters is who he's serving. We're just in this thing together. And Paul just kind of put, him on, put himself and Tychicus on the same plane. We're all just fellow servants serving the same Lord. That's the point. Okay, Romans chapter 6. So God tells us that when we were lost in our sin, before we knew Jesus Christ, that we were the servants of sin. Whether you realize it or not, whether I realize it or not, before we got saved, the Lord that we served wasn't the Lord Jesus Christ. It was sin. It was our flesh. Paul says, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but... You've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. And, and he's talking about the gospel. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of, of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as, as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto, uh, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness and holy. All Paul is saying is, listen, when you were lost... You had no choice. You served sin. But now that you're saved, you have a choice. You have a choice to which Lord you're going to serve. And God's desire is that we serve Christ. God's desire is that we serve Christ. And he says, yield your members, servants, to righteousness and holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Man, you weren't, you weren't righteous at all. What fruit had you in those things whereof you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness 
and, and, and the end, everlasting life. The point is, before Christ in our lostness, we were the servants of sin. Now we can choose to be the servants of God. And when we choose to be the servants of God, we're fellow servant with every other person that chooses to serve God. We're all the same. There's God and then the rest of us. <laughs> and we're all on equal, equal playing field. Does that make sense? And so, listen, if you're the pastor, it doesn't put you any, any higher than anyone else in the church or the body of Christ. The pastor is a fellow servant of the Lord. The deacons are fellow servants of the Lord. The Sunday school teachers are fellow servants of the Lord. The people opening the door and greeting people are fellow servants of the Lord. Because ultimately, we serve the same Lord. And, and again, Paul just did not put himself above Tychicus. He considered him a fellow servant. He wasn't greater or lesser. He didn't measure his giftedness. He didn't measure the fruit of his ministry. He just said, you know what? That dude is a fellow servant, man. And we're trying to knock it out together for Jesus. That's the point. That's the point. And we have to look at our team. We have to look at our church family like that. Okay, lastly, 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 and this is, this is where I wanted to get. Tychicus had a really unique ministry. Uh, he had a really unique ministry. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the, 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 the answer, and then I'm going to give you some blanks. His ministry mirrors for us the ministry of the Holy Spirit. His ministry mirrors the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, where do, where do you get that from? Well, number one, we know from the Bible that he was a courier of some of Paul's epistles. He, 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 delivered, he delivered God's word to the intended audience, okay? And, and listen, he did that. Onesimus did that. He, his responsibility was take was to take the inspired Word of God that, that then got inscripturated and to take that Word of God to the in, intended recipients and to make them know all things. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 21, it, Paul again, concerning Tychicus, says, Hey, I'm going to send him, and when he comes, you're going to know all of my affairs. You're going to know how I'm doing, and Tychicus is going to make known to you all things. Wait a second. How is he going to do that? <laughs> Does he know everything? Well, again, he is a type or a picture or a shadow of the Holy Spirit of God. Because in John chapter 14 and verse 26, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost that's going to come after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he says in 14, verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And he's going to bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said to you. And again, man, listen, when you compare Scripture with Scripture, you get a, a really cool picture from Tychicus's life that his ministry was delivering God's Word to the intended audience and teaching them and reminding them all things concerning the Apostle Paul. Again, Paul would be a picture, so to speak, of God the Father, if you will, in, in, that, in that illustration. We know from 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We know that 2 Peter chapter 1 tells us that God gave His Word through holy men of God that spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So in other words, the Holy, the Holy Ghost is the one that really is the one that brought the Word of God to the intended audience. And we see that in Tychicus' life. 
We need to take God's word to the intended audience, whether that's teaching and preaching on Sunday morning or whether that's taking the comfort of the scriptures to, to people that need comfort, which is the last point. Paul had, or excuse me, Tychicus had a ministry of comfort. He was a courier of the epistle, and his ministry was a ministry of comfort. Can you go back to, to Colossians 4 and look at verse uh, 8? Whom I've sent to you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate, listen to this, and comfort your hearts. He's going to comfort your heart. Now listen, uh, I didn't put it in the notes. Can you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1? I want you to know, number one, that God is a God of comfort. God is a God of comfort. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us, actually, that He is the God of all comfort. 2 Corinthians, this is what happens when I don't have it in my notes, but I feel like I should go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of how much comfort? How much? Okay, listen. If you need comfort, there's a God that's the God of all comfort. There's a God that's the God of all comfort. Verse 4, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them that are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. In other words, God is going to comfort us so that we can comfort <clears throat> excuse me, other people. God is the God of all comfort, but I also want you to understand that the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. Again, John 15 and verse 26, Jesus himself said concerning the Holy Spirit of God, but when... The Comforter, capital C. When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So God is the God of all comfort. But God works through the Holy Spirit of God, who is the Comfort. He's the Comforter. But then God ultimately gives us comfort through his word. And I want to show you that, Romans 15 and verse 4. Because listen, don't go there just yet, Derek. Listen, can I just tell you, I think most of us know that God wants to comfort us and God is a God of comfort. Like, I think we know that. Maybe we don't see the connection to the Holy Spirit, that God uses His Holy Spirit, who is the comforter. That's His person. That's His nature. That's His character. And I think a lot of us know that, but I think at the end of the day, we don't know ultimately how that gets applied practically in our life. And we know that God wants to comfort us, but we use every venue on this planet that's available to receive God's comfort. But there's only one way that God comforts us. It's by God the Father, the God of comfort, through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. Romans 15 and verse 4 says, Whatsoever things were written, were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through patience, listen, and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. The way that God works, the way that Tychicus worked, was to bring the, the, the words of God to the intended audience to comfort their hearts. It's the comfort of the Scriptures that God uses revealed by the Holy Ghost, sent from God the Father himself. That's how God gives us comfort. That's how Tychicus accomplished his ministry 
of comfort. Even in 1 Thessalonians 4, when, when Paul is writing about the rapture of the church and the resurrection of the dead, he says, listen, comfort one another with these words. And I'm just telling you, church, listen, Tychicus had an amazing ministry. He pictures for us the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, he brought the word of God to the intended audience. And when he did so, it was able to administer comfort. And the truth is, that's the only way you're going to get it. And so I, I don't know what you're looking for comfort in today. Uh, we all have hurts. <laughs> we all are uncomfortable in different areas of our life. And we need to come to the conclusion that God has given us that the only comfort we truly can experience is from Him, through His Holy Spirit, administered through His Word. That's the only way to get it. Tychicus, man, listen, his ministry was a ministry of comfort. And I find much encouragement in that because that means that when we take God's Word and we lovingly administer it to other people, that are hurting, that's how they're going to receive God's comfort. If they'll receive God's word, revealed through his Holy Spirit, sent from God the Father, well, they can receive comfort. They can receive comfort. So we have an amazing opportunity. Do you think people are uncomfortable in this present day that we live in? Are you kidding me? I mean, every day it's like flip on the, the news and what, you know, are the, are the aliens coming today? I mean, what's next? You know, I mean... I mean, it's like every day, there's just a change. COVID, school's out, jobs changing, factories closed. I mean, it's just crazy. Every day, it's just, man, what, what's, it's stressful. I don't know if it stresses y'all, man. It stresses me. My beard's got like so much grayer, like in the last three or four or five months. I'm fixing to cut it off. I look like an old, old billy goat. I know, man. Hey, by the way, Nash, yesterday was Worldwide Beard Day. Uh, I didn't get any texts from you guys. I'm a little disappointed about that. <clears throat> World Beard Day yesterday, September 5th. Nobody told me about it. And I need some comfort now because <laughs> I missed the greatest holiday ever. <laughs> Listen, man, I want you to know that we need you on the team. We need you on the team. We need, we need beloved brethren. And if you're saved, you're beloved. You're valuable. You're valuable to the Lord. You're valuable to the ministry. But then we need you to grow into faithful ministers. We need you to grow into faithful ministers so that you can come alongside and serve the Lord together with our team, right? With our team. And, and so, you know, in closing, listen, if you're not part of the family of God, God loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die for your sin. He loves you so much that, that, that Christ came to pay your sin penalty. And he's willing to receive you if you'll receive his son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. You can be a part of the family of God today. If you are part of the family, again, let me encourage you. You're beloved. You're beloved. You're valuable. You're desirable. You're, you're dear unto the Lord. You're dear unto this church family. And so let's do ministry together. Let's be good ministers like Tychicus. Let's be faithful with what be, we've been given. And let's take God's word and invest it in the lives of other people. Amen? I think we can do it. I think we can do it. We're just fellow servants in the Lord. And I think we can do it. All right? I love you guys. Let me pray and we'll dismiss. Father, we love you. Thank you again for our time, Lord.